Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I am your host, Kane Pittman, here with a special guest today. Someone I've been chasing for a little bit now. We've been trying to work through each other's schedules. Uh, most of our listeners, I'm sure, have heard this man's voice before, either on the Dunked On podcast or on the Hollander and Duncan podcast on the Locked On podcast network. Nate Duncan, I'm glad we could uh, finally make this happen. Likewise, Kane. Glad to be here. All right. So what we're going to do today, and, and for full disclosure, we are recording this prior to the Bucks Pacers game. That one's still a few hours away here on a Wednesday, but this podcast is going to come out on a Thursday, so we're going to talk Bucks lakers And this game, I think it's fair to say, is probably the biggest regular season game we've had this season. When you look at both teams, the Bucks 52 and 9 first in the East, the Lakers 47 and 13 first in the West. My question to you right off the bat is, outside everyone's going to talk about what this game means prior and post. But inside and for these two teams, do you think that this game means anything more to one particular team than the other? And if so, why would, why would that be the case at this point after 60 games plus we've played? I think it probably means more to the Lakers, actually, because if you look at the numbers against other good teams, yeah. they really have some of the worst numbers in that group. And so I personally, I don't know if they feel this way. They probably don't uh, based on what. <laughs> the reporting that LeBron James said they have enough to win the championship before the trade deadline. But to me, I think they actually have a lot to prove. I think there are reasons to believe that they may actually punch a little bit below their weight in the playoffs. And then also you look at how the Bucs totally whacked them a couple of months ago. And, you know, some of that was Giannis shooting it a little bit better than he normally does, but they didn't really have answers for him. So I think the Lakers – uh, they're going to need to find a way. They're very dependent on getting to the basket. The Bucks take that away. And so I think they need to prove that they can find ways to score around the rim the way they normally do because they don't have the formula the way, say, a team like the Celtics or the Raptors might uh, in terms of just bombing away from the outside against the Bucks and being a good enough three-point shooting team to make that work out four times in seven games. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, these teams haven't seen each other since December 19, so it was, it was quite... Uh, a while ago that they played and I think it is first of all you pointed out the the a pretty reasonable point it would be safe to assume that Giannis might not knock down five three so that you have to take into account things that might not replicate themselves and the other point would be that uh, on that trip if you if you remember back the Lakers were on the end of an extended road trip and uh, you know I mean you, you listen to Bucks fans they'll tell you that uh, they were on a back-to-back against Miami the other night when they lose so all these types of factors come into into play during the regular season and, uh, and this time, it's the Lakers that are going to be on a couple of days rest here. They beat the, uh, obviously, severely depleted Sixers at home last night as we're recording here. And the Bucs have had a pretty difficult schedule. They've played a whole bunch of games. So those types of things uh, can, can play a factor here. But it's interesting. I want to get into to the numbers a bit here that you sort of just pointed to. So the Lakers, 53.7 points in the paint. Back in that game in December, they only scored 42 
know, Anthony Davis went to the free throw line 17 times. So clearly uh, he was, was a factor on the game. But the Bucks, obviously, number one, only giving up 38.5 points in the paint. And really have shut that down for every single team they've played this season. So how do the Lakers work around that? And can they simply just sit back and say, well, we've got LeBron, we've got Anthony Davis, do what you guys do. Because it's difficult to me to see other scoring options outside of those guys. Yeah, it is, uh, especially ones uh, who can create. And so uh, the way the Lakers' offense has worked, LeBron has been the be-all, end-all of their offense, setting up everything. When he goes off the floor, they are actually well into the red. Uh, I think they like a negative 1.5 net rating when LeBron is off the floor. And so uh, that shows you that he's the one who's creating everything. And so he still is pretty reliant on getting to the basket. You know, we've seen some of his best games, like against the Pelicans recently. That's been the formula, getting to the rim for 10-plus attempts a game. He, over the course of his career, might be the greatest finisher as a perimeter guy in NBA history. That's starting to wane just a little bit. Uh, and as we know, the Bucks are maybe the greatest rim-protecting team of all time, and they give it up uh, to the extent they have to make a compromise. It's letting him shoot threes. So I think the two keys that I'll be looking at, number one is – the post-ups for Anthony Davis, you mentioned all the free-throw attempts that he had in that first game. That's kind of the thing that the Bucks defense isn't quite as prepared to deal with, right? They got guys, normally it's the pick-and-roll defense. You're driving, you get help from the nail to even prevent guys from getting to the rim. Then you, you contest the floaters with Brooke Lopez or, or Robin Lopez or maybe Giannis if you're going to a Giannis at center group. But the post-up, you're getting penetration towards the basket with the pass. And then if you have someone who can actually score in that manner, that's something that those default principles don't take care of as well. And so, you know, maybe they can just stop AD one-on-one, but they don't have a natural matchup for him. He's a little bit quicker than the Lopez twins. He can get out in transition. And Giannis, you know, they don't necessarily want him guarding AD for the whole game. So that's the key to me, AD. And then also the second one is LeBron's three-point shooting. Those are the two things I'd be looking for for the Lakers uh, to have successful offense in this game. If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans, but you may not know that Locked On Bucks is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Milwaukee Bucks fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Milwaukee Bucks fans that are well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to double three triple seven, or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get the team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcast.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you guys. So going back to that other game, it was interesting. Just looking at the box score, he was a minus 14 on the night, even though he had a 21-point triple-double. And, and I think the Bucs, it's, it seems very obvious, but clearly uh, if they can turn him into a guy that, first of all, is shooting jump shots, but secondly... Uh, limit him in transition and make him pass the ball to these other guys. Now, on that night, it was Danny Green went 7 for 12 uh, from three, and he's been a guy in big games, has hit big shots uh, his entire career. But 
I think when you're taking on this, this Lakers team right now and looking from afar, you say, well, okay, uh, your two, your number two guys, or your one or two guys might be the best in the league. That might be uh, indisputable. But your number three down uh, is where the questions are. And I think, you know, for me, when I look at these rosters, that, that might be uh, where the difference is from two to eight. I mean, when you compare these two rosters stacked up next to each other, there's clearly a bunch of question marks on some of the Milwaukee players in terms of what they're going to be able to do in the playoffs and, and what happened in the Eastern Conference Finals. But how do you just compare these two rosters uh, side by side? Yeah, clearly the Bucks uh, are deeper and more versatile. They have more of a system that works uh, even when their stars are, are off the floor, particularly defensively. Uh, and we talked about how the Lakers really struggle without LeBron and they lack that playmaking. Uh, they don't they don't have a secondary perimeter player like Chris Middleton who can be the focal point of the offense uh, when the star Giannis uh, is off the floor. The, the Lakers don't have that. Uh, so th- those are the things that, that I would look at. The Bucks have a lot more shooting, a lot more versatility, a lot more defensive versatility as well, you could say. I mean, I think the things that are most similar is you know, these are the two best rim-protecting teams in the league. The Bucks are way above the Lakers, but still with McGee, Howard, Anthony Davis, generally the Lakers are going to have two of those three guys on the floor. And then when they don't, even LeBron is still a, a pretty big guy to move to the power forward position in today's league. And when he's at the three, he's also huge. So, And he's been more engaged defensively. So this, I think the Lakers' best chance here probably to me is winning this game defensively, forcing the Bucs into a rock fight. Uh, the, that's ultimately what I see it coming down to. But uh, you'd have to say the Bucs have a little bit more depth, particularly in the shooting and uh, with Middleton as a secondary perimeter creator. So I want to go back to something you mentioned right at the top here when you said that maybe this would mean more to the Lakers. And, and I can certainly understand why you say that because when you look at the, the, these two teams' records against those top teams, the Bucs, 2-0 against the Raptors, 2-0 against the Clippers, obviously 1-0 against the Lakers. Uh, the Lakers, obviously, 0-1 against the Bucs, 0-2 against the Clippers. W- what has been their struggles from, from what you've seen ag- against these top teams? And, and what, what would be your concern if you're a Lakers fan to think that maybe this team is, is a regular season team that's going to just simply bully a bunch of teams that aren't quite up to their, to their caliber, but when it comes down to it, they might struggle? So we mentioned the depth issues already when LeBron is off the floor. And then, you know, if they're going to play Rondo, who's their second best initiator, he's got real problems defensively. I do think you can hide him a little bit better against the Bucs because the Bucs don't do this. All right, we're going to go after this guy and take advantage of him style of offense that you might see from some other teams, like say the Clippers, for example. Um, But I think the biggest issue for the Lakers offensively is and it's crazy to say this because he might be the greatest player of all time is I'm not sure that LeBron James against the absolute best teams is able to create great shots for himself anymore he's he's having the best passing season of his career but when it really comes down to it especially at the end of games is he able to really get a great shot we've seen him go to a lot of bad step backs at the end of games he's shooting very poorly from three under 25 percent from three in the clutch and he's taking a lot of those shots uh, and then, you know, getting into the post it can work for him. I think still that's his best offense, but the Bucks have a lot of size there as well, and there's not a ton of spacing around him, but it, just him attacking straight up in an ISO on the perimeter, he's just not quite the same. Like, if you look at his efficiency numbers, they are down 
quite a bit from where they were in Cleveland. And so that to me of just who is going to be that guy, especially at the end of games uh, for the Lakers, can it's going to be LeBron, but can he create great shots at the end of games? I think that's uh, one of their biggest problems. You see those two games against the Clippers, the one against the Lakers, he's well under 50% from the field overall in those games. Yeah, no question. It's certainly watching him uh, of late. Uh, not only is he shooting those d- deep threes, but as you pointed to, he is he's knocking down those turnarounds. And those have been a shot that he's taken through his career. But I certainly also think that's going to be a shot that the Bucks will be will be happy for him to take. Let's just say that. And if he does go into the post, I think what you, you're going to see is what you would expect. You're going to see quick doubles, and you're going to turn the other guys into shooters. Uh, again, back in that game in December, Danny Green, 12 three-point attempts. Uh, KCP had six. So this is something we've seen with the Bucks all season long where they're happy for the other guys to become shooters from the outside. And I think that that will be something to look for again. But let's flip this to Giannis a little bit and, and talk about him offensively because uh, I've said this before on, on the podcast, but Anthony Davis, I mean, let's, let's be real. There just isn't another Anthony Davis in the league. I mean, potentially Giannis is a guy of that size that can be that agile and be that, uh, provide that rim protection. But Anthony Davis is a freak himself. And now they also have LeBron James with uh, the size and strength that he has. The other rim protectors, McGee, uh, Dwight Howard, obviously having a terrific season. In the game in December, Giannis was 6-for-11 on two-point attempts. He was clearly able to free the defense up and free the Bucks' offense up a little bit by shooting all those threes. But how does he avoid being, uh, being turned into simply a jump shooter? Because we have seen this as recently against Miami the other night. Uh, what's the key for him having success against this Lakers defense in, in your eyes? Because they are also top three. Yeah, to your point, they, the Bucks were only 15 of 24 at the rim and then two of seven from floater range in yep. that game against the Lakers. So I don't have their numbers in front of me. You probably look at this more, but I'm guessing that's pretty close to a season low for the Bucks in terms yep. of their number of shots in the paint. Um, so I, I think the Lakers are definitely going to swarm, especially if they're going with the two bigs. Um, And I think Giannis, he's just going to, other than attacking in transition, I think he's going to just have to be a little bit more patient and really look to pass more when uh, the storm comes out. You know, he's definitely a a good passer for his size, but I still think he has some weaknesses as far as kind of getting into the lane when he goes into that spin move. Guys can knock it away from behind it in that Miami game. I thought he really struggled with some of that playing in a crowd. We saw it in the Toronto series too, where, you know, guys are able to help on him and then still get back to their man sometimes at the three-point line. And I think if he kind of – his default is, all right, I'm going to drive to score, and then if they stop me, I'll look to pass. And then maybe what he needs to do is just be a little bit more under control, know that the help is going to come, and be thinking pass first on some of these plays to set up wide-open threes uh, because there is going to be a lot of help at the rim, you know, especially depending on – uh, what units they go to. I, I guess another thing we can talk about too is Marvin Williams yep. wasn't on the Bucks last time. You know, Marvin, I think, can do a pretty decent job on Anthony Davis. Maybe he could do okay on LeBron if he's at the four, too. You know, that's, I, I'd like to see that matchup. I'm not sure how that would go, but Marvin is really strong. And so do the Bucks say, hey, you know, we want to go with more defensive versatility. We'll take Brooke Lopez off the floor, put in Marvin Williams at the end. And the Lakers will have a similar question of are they going to go with AD at center and LeBron at the four. I think we'll see whichever team is struggling to score more, maybe they go small first. That's usually how it ends up working out. 
Yeah, it's interesting. I remember watching this game back in December and, and thinking, well, I'm not sure that Dwight Howard is, is playable against the Bucs. And, and certainly, McGee didn't have a huge impact in this one. But to your point uh, with Marvin Williams, I think this, that, that's a really great point because when you look back at this game, Ersan knew he's over. Remember, this is a game that the Bucs led by a wide margin for a lot of this game. Ersan Uyasova was still a minus 10 in 16 minutes, and we've spoke a lot about this in the podcast. There's just some matchups that, that don't suit him, and we've seen the Bucks almost uh, be forced to, to play Ersan Uyasova on LeBron James in stretches just to try and get uh, Giannis a, a breather. Uh, particularly one game that comes to mind was the the game at, at Staples Center last season where it felt like Ersan was on an island with LeBron for the entire second half. Now, uh, that probably is not going to be the case now. And we saw Marvin Williams do a great job on Pascal Siakam last week uh, in Toronto. So when you look at the additions for both of these teams, uh, we, we obviously spend a lot of time talking about Marvin on, on this podcast, but the Lakers uh, pick up uh, Markeith Morris and, and it looks like they're going to get one of uh, Waiters or J.R. Smith. We'll see. Did the Lakers... I mean, it, LeBron, as you said, LeBron can say what he wants that he thinks that they have the title contending roster before the trade deadline. But it's hard to look at the additions of some of the other teams, including, as I said, my, uh, Williams with the Bucs, and think that the Lakers didn't miss out big time here. Yeah, I think so, uh, both from a value standpoint, because Kuzma, especially now with the addition of Markeith that you mentioned, he's kind of trending down, and he didn't play in that first game. I'm interested to see how he how they decide to use him in this one. but. Uh, he uh, is kind of trending down in terms of his usage. It seems like Frank Vogel is starting to get an understanding that he may not be good enough defensively in the playoffs. And so maybe they missed their window to trade him for something because I do think they need more. They they could have used another ball hand and they could have used uh, another wing defender. And Marquise is having a nice shooting season, but I'm not sure that it, he's really someone that you want as a, a big minute playoff guy at this point in time. So, yeah, I, I think that they do need more uh, at those two positions because uh, the Bucks and the Clippers, I mean, those teams are just absolutely loaded. All right, so just a, a general question now on the Bucks. Uh, you know, we're, we're nearing the playoffs. Let's say that. We're well and truly on the road to the postseason. This team clearly looks like they're going to eclipse the, the 60 wins from last season. I mean, it, something would have to go wrong for that not to happen. As you've watched this team through this season, and, and clearly there's been question marks throughout uh, what they're going to do in the postseason, and, and they're, definitely, uh, they're definitely a team that needs to prove it in the playoffs. There's, there's no question about that. They're, they're not going to get the full respect until they do. But what have you seen? has been the major improvement for them. Maybe just outside Giannis going up to, to a, uh, an even uh, next level, which is ridiculous to think about. But what, what's changed for this team that gives you confidence that, that they'll be able to make a, another long postseason run? Yeah, well, the defense is even better. I mean, the, yeah. last year, uh, they've just doubled down. They've got you know 48 minutes of Lopez twins that they want to play now. I mean, if you look at the rim production numbers for Giannis and the two Lopez twins, I mean, they're just off the charts, you know, team shooting like 45% around the rim against those guys uh, when they're in position. So, I, I mean, just the overall system, I mean, the Bucks have, I think, the best defense just in raw terms since the 15-16 Spurs. And, I mean, they're three and a half points per 100 possessions now, I think, better than the second best defense, which is just – so that's really where a, a lot of this massive improvement has come. You know, they're, they're kind of – Similar on offense, maybe even, you know, in some ways not quite as good. I mean, Giannis 
has a higher usage. He's pushing more, but his free throw shooting is down. He's not quite as efficient. I'm not sure that he's that much better offensively this year in total. He may be a little more versatile. He's had games where he's shot the mid-ranger okay, where he shot the three okay. But in the aggregate, I think they're pretty similar offensively. They've had George Hill playing at an unbelievable level with 70% true shooting this year when he was actually really bad for them last year when he was there in the regular season, but obviously was good in the playoffs. Um, So, uh, and now that they've got Marvin Williams, I think that adds an an element where he, to me, is an upgrade, especially defensively on what Miritich and uh, Ilyasova were able to give them last year. And I think, you know, just a lot of guys have gotten better. They've gone to the post-ups more with Lopez. Uh, That's helped. Chris Middleton is way better. I mean, he's probably the buck who has made the greatest improvements, uh, you know, to get to a real, you know, all NBA team consideration type of guy where, you know, he was sort of making the all-star team because they needed a second buck kind of level last year. Um, So he's made a massive improvement. So I think the defense at Middleton would be the two biggest things that I'd point to. They lost Brogdon. I do think that's still an important element of that guy who can really put pressure on the rim from the perimeter, uh, especially if Bledsoe is, uh, is not feeling it that day. But, yeah, I mean, I think those are the biggest reasons to me why they're better, the the defense at Middleton. All right, last one here, and and I'm sort of going to contradict myself here because I spoke about this a little bit on a a solo pod uh, a couple of days ago, and I said we probably won't talk about it, but we will. It's Bucks Lakers, obviously, the talk all through the week, particularly on ESPN for whatever reason you want to think that that would be the case, but they're talking about the MVP. This game on Friday night, Giannis, for starters, has, has always been a guy... I don't think there's too many players in the league where he, 100% of the time, always makes sure that he is at his best against the player. LeBron has always been that guy. He's had some, some monster games against uh, LeBron, whether he's in Cleveland or, or with the Lakers. The MVP race, if you want to call it that, does this game on Friday night, has this got the potential to swing anything to give LeBron perhaps a window to get back in the conversation here with uh, with around 20 games to go? You know, I always struggle with these questions because people ask me, oh, you know, who's going to win MVP? And I don't want to, like, try to psychoanalyze my colleagues who are doing the voting necessarily. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. I, can t- I can tell you how it would affect my uh, non-existent vote for MVP. And I think... Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Yeah. And no, it wouldn't. I mean, Giannis, to me, is the runaway guy. I might even, I'm actually doing my awards podcast, which will be out uh, by the time people listen to this, I think. Uh, actually, no, it's coming out Thursday night. But so, so I got to really dig through it. But I mean, Giannis to me, he, all of the advanced metrics support him being the best player in the league. Certainly among all the candidates for MVP, he's by far the best defender. Uh, might even be my pick for defensive player of the year at this point in time. Uh, he has a personal net rating of over 16. When he is on the floor, which is, you know, you have to go back to like Curry and Durant on the Warriors uh, to see those type of numbers. And yeah, LeBron, a, a lot of the impact metrics love him. Part of that, though, is because the Lakers just have absolutely nothing to yeah. back him up. And so he's kind of artificially boosted there. Uh, but no, I mean, I think overall, like Giannis is every statistic is in Giannis's favor. And he's on his team has had the best performance. I really don't see any kind of an argument against him at, at this point in time. I think he's going to win it easily, and should. 
All right. Well, uh, you've made the listeners here very happy, I'm sure, with that, uh, <laughs> with your personal analysis. But hey, listen, this, like we said, we've been trying to do this for, for a couple of weeks here, and uh, I'm glad we got the, the time to chat. So, uh, like I said right off the top, if you're not already listening and not already su- subscribed to these podcasts, make sure you do the Dunk Dunk podcast and also Hollinger and Duncan on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Nate, really appreciate you jumping on, my friend. Thanks for having me. All right, so the Bucks and Lakers, by the time you're listening to this, will be the next uh, game for Milwaukee. They're about to go out on a three-game trip out west and also going to see the Suns and Denver. But 9.30 Central, Friday night, Bucks lakers We'll be back after that one to wrap that up. For Nate Duncan and myself, Kane Pittman, we'll speak to you guys then. <laughs>